And I looked down the hallway and there stood the drill sergeant. And he looked at me and I looked at him and he looked down at my feet and I looked down at my feet and my boots were on his floor. Welcome to First Lead You, a podcast dedicated to building leaders, expanding their capacity, improving their self-awareness through emotional intelligence, and developing deeper understanding of selfless leadership. Hello, America, and welcome to First Lead You, where we believe selfless leadership is essential. America is suffering a leadership crisis Self-awareness and emotional intelligence is the key to developing selfless leaders. Now, here is personal growth coach, John Ballinger. Man, I am excited today. Why are you excited, John? Well, first of all, I'm excited because my partner and friend, Douglas Ford, for three years has been saying, John, get this stuff out of your head and out to the public so that leaders can become better leaders in America. And that excites me that we're doing this. <laughs> I'm super excited. <laughs> and I'm really, I really am excited about it because it seems like from three years ago when you first started, you know, putting some light pressure on me to, to do this, that things have really gone downhill in America from a leadership just in that three years. You think about covid the great resignation, quite quitting, inflation. I mean, Doug, that's some tough stuff. We, we've been through a, a lot the last three years. Yeah. So I, I, you know, we were talking about when we started uh, preparing for this, that maybe this is the right time to actually be doing this because we are in a leadership crisis in America. And I personally am excited to launch first lead you podcast to help leaders in all parts of society learn that self-development and personal growth leads to professional success. It's really a core belief statement we have as an organization. I have myself, I've carried myself that way for over 30 years. And those two components of personal growth leading to professional success really hasn't permeated in society. No, I, I agree. I think we, we focus on one much more than the other, which uh, is the person, uh, the professional side. Uh, and you know, the numbers really bear that out. I mean, the, the amount of money that's spent on professional development every year is just staggering. It is. I, I was reading some statistics to prepare for this and in 2012, companies spent $93.6 billion annually to train staff. Since that time, that number has actually decreased up to 2020, which is the last statistics that we could pull, down to $82.5 billion. So about a $10 billion per year drop-off from 2012 to 2020. It, dropping off and and the, and the crisis of leadership growing while we're lowering the amount of time and effort we're spent on training individuals. And that was just money that was spent on professional development. That, that was not, that is there's just, no personal development, no personal growth. That's just how to be a better worker. Right. And, 
Another statistic it is it's, it's quite disturbing to me is that companies spent approximately two billion dollars to bring motivational speakers in in order to implement that ninety to eighty billion dollars, whatever they were spending that year. So they would bring these people in, send you to a conference, motivate you, go back to work. Two days later, same old rut. Well, what, do you, what are they doing when they get back, though? Is there anything that's supporting when they get back from the conference that, that helps them maintain that kind of that mountaintop experience they had at the conference? They're, they're probably really trying to figure out where to put that bag of stuff that they got at the conference. Like, what am I going to do with the this? swag bag? Yeah, the swag bag. You know? <laughs> like, what do I do with this stuff? And I thought, man, that is crazy that we'll spend that kind of money and, and have the lack of success we have in our team members after, after these conferences. I recently read the speed of trust by Stephen M. R. Covey, and he's the son of Stephen Covey who wrote the seven habits of highly effective people. And in the book, he referenced a 2017 Gallup poll that said over $7 trillion in productivity was lost to disengaged workforce, disengaged workforce. What's that mean? I don't care. I mean, really, if you if you think about, like, I'm going to go do a J-O-B, I'm going to clock in, I don't care because you don't care kind of attitude. And because of that, you have an unmotivated workforce that goes in and cares about taking care of the widget, the customer, whatever it is, and $7 trillion, almost one-third of the GDP is lost due to disengaged workforce. Is that, you think that's probably what led to the great resignation that happened in the midst of COVID. Oh, I'm sure when people went home and realized, what am I doing? I think it was a wake up call because COVID happens. The great resignation happens and then quiet quitting starts. Inflation sets in and now you've got pandemonium in the workforce and you've got companies calling us and saying, what do we do? I mean, we're talking about large, large companies calling saying, what do we do? And when I talk, ask the question, so what's the culture like in your company? The what? I recall one CEO asking me and me telling him, he's like, what do we do? And I said, well, I think we've got to work on the culture in the company. And he said, what kind of culture? And I said, a culture of care, that you care about the team members. And he said, is that a thing? And I said, oh, what's the thing? It's not a thing. It's the thing. It's essential. It's absolutely <laughs> yeah, the it's thing. Essential. Absolutely. So I would encourage our listeners that are interested in self-development, personal growth, to read Emotional Intelligence 2.0, The Speed of Trust, and Seven Habits. They're excellent resources, and they really speak to the importance of personal development leading to professional success. So, so all right, so we just made our first recommendation. We did. So... Emotional intelligence. Give us a little bit. Uh, what? What? If I read that, what am I going to get out of that, and why should I read that? Well, I would say that most Americans, especially those in leadership positions, know what their IQ is or what an IQ is. And and we're talking about professional development. We're really big on the IQ thing. What? How smart are you? There will be people tell you how smart they are. What we do not ask is what's your EQ or your emotional quotient. And that's what gives you the ability to handle the stress, the pressure, the 
what I call the the various things that come at you every day. It's it's actually your soft skills, people skills, that allow you to go from issue to issue, crisis to crisis, problem to problem, and the person you're dealing with at that time has no idea that you just got through working on two other crises. No idea whatsoever. So the emotional quotient is critical to helping you as a leader in the workplace. And it's part of personal development because it's something a lot of times you have to work on. I had to work on it. My emotional quotient in in the mid-80s was 63 out of 100. That's not good. It wasn't. I had a bad temper. I would let things get to me. I would have to force people to follow me instead of people willingly be led by me. And in 2022, I was uh, challenged to take it again, the IQ test and the EQ test. And my IQ was the same thing it was in the mid-80s. It was 118, but my EQ had increased to 93. So that is good. That's a good improvement. It's a great, but think about the years that it took in personal development to increase that score. And when you read the book, it'll tell you that one point is a huge leap in your emotional intelligence. So, so all right. So I'm gonna get the book. Just walk me through this. I'm I'm gonna read the book. After I read the book, I'm just I'm gonna be better. What what? I don't think you're better. I think that's just the beginning. Right. I think the test that's in the book lets you know. Here's where you're lacking in your emotional quotient and your emotional intelligence. And then you have to start working much like an athlete has to go be coached in the ball game to perform in the ball game. But if that person wants to be better, they have to hit the gym. That person that plays basketball that wants to shoot three point shots has to go into the gym when nobody else is there and shoot. And one of the things that we don't do, because when we leave work, we're so exhausted that we don't even think about, all right, what do I need to do after I leave work to personally develop myself? We don't, we're just done, but you've got to put the time in, in order to grow. Okay. So, so emotional intelligence 2.0 has an assessment in it Yes, that I would take. And that's going to tell me maybe where that's, I guess my benchmark of where I'm starting. That's a baseline. Yep. And then I'm going to, read some other instructions that's in there. And then at some point in the future, I'll probably want to try to take that again. Am, am I at six months? Am I a year? When, probably when a year. Yeah. Let's, and, and don't do not take it, get your baseline and then do nothing and expect to have increased in that year. You have to put effort and work in, and we're going to be talking through the podcast on how you actually put the effort in what you need to do. Part of it is you've got to get in the game. You can't just be on the sidelines and expect to grow. And well, and one of the ways that uh, we can get in the game is uh, the seven habits. Mm-hmm. So uh, I, I personally, I really like this book. I think it's a great book for people to read. Uh, Stephen Covey does a great job of, of laying out. Now these aren't three, uh, seven habits that he came up with. I mean, he did a lot of research talks about it in the book. Uh, probably a lot of our listeners have read this book. It's very popular with, with, even professional development, it's it's a very popular book. Uh, but he talks about all the research he did to try to distill these seven habits out of really the course of history and what people who have been effective did on a regular basis to make them effective. Yeah, and, and, and 
like when my journey started as a kid, I mean, it was in basic training. I went in the army on a dare. And I remember going in because I'm a very competitive person, uh, high energy, got to get it done, kind of a watch me guy. You go sit down and watch me do this. And so I had in my head that out of the 330 people in my unit that first day of basic training, I was going to be number one out the door. I'm going to let you stop right there, and we're going to be right back, and we're going to let you tell the rest of that story. All right, we're back, John, and you were in the middle of the story, and I cut you off because I wanted us to be able to have the full story in one kind of one segment. Uh, but before you get back into that story, I want to talk about uh, the last book that we uh, referenced in the in the previous uh, segment is The Speed of Trust, and that's one of the books that we talk about and we recommend when we're in uh, working with companies. And why why do you like that book? Why is that one of the three that we typically recommend? I've learned over the years that a team is led well when they can trust the leader. They can trust the leader in times of crisis. They can trust the leader in great times because they know that there's going to be cohesiveness with the un- with the with the company or the people. And the speed of trust. When I started reading it, and it just so happens to be written by Stephen Covey's son. And the dad writes the forward in the book, and he said the, this, the trust factor was the missing link to really taking those seven habits and applying them in a much greater fashion in an organization. And so trusting yourself, trusting your team and your people actually makes your life better as a leader because you can actually empower them to do what it is you, you selected them to do in the company and let them go do it. And so I think it's a great read, and it's something that's probably one of the books that I have with me that's the most tattered and torn and has a lot of bookmarks and write-ups in it. Yeah, so a uh, quick re- recap on that. So Emotional Intelligence 2.0 really helps you start to create self-awareness about, tr- about where you are. Seven Habits by Stephen Covey really helps you understand what you need to do from uh, from an actions and, and still self-awareness, but but – how you need to perform kind of outwardly. And then the speed of trust is the organization, how the organization needs to act and how people need to act inside an organization to really develop a team. Yeah. I think speed of trust wraps around seven habits and emotional intelligence. I think you just kind of put a bow around it, if you will, because once the team all gets involved in self-development through emotional intelligence and understands the seven, the habits that they need to take as a team. Now you wrap that in trust and I tell teams this, this may seem strange saying this, you'll get to the point where you trust each other so much that you could just know that the other person is going to take care of business. Well, they that's a great feeling. It is, it is. And, and I, I call it actually the head nod. It's like you go in, here's what the issue is, here's what the solution is, and you just nod your head and you walk out and you go get things done. And um, I want teams to get used to the head nod. I think that's a great place to be. Excellent. Yep. So you were telling the story about basic training. You were starting down that road. And so tell us a little bit more about that. So this is really where your leadership understanding of leadership and your leadership journey started for, uh, for yourself. 
It, it did. I, so I grew up in Knoxville, Tennessee, um, went in the military on a dare and I go in and, and I, my, my goal, because of this, I'm a self-starter, self-motivated, and I wanted to be the first one out in formation that morning. And I was going to prove to the other 329 people in my, my company that I was Charlie in charge. I mean, I wanted to get out and make things happen, but Two days prior in processing, the drill sergeant would ensure that we heard him say, do not walk on my floor with your boots on. And I heard it for two days while I was in processing. That night, I go to bed, first day of basic training after in processing. I lay on top of the bed so I don't mess my bed up. You want to be ready to go? I'm ready to go. I jump out of bed when the when he starts beating on the the proverbial garbage can, throw on my uniform to include my boots, walk out the door. Which are not supposed to be on the floor. Are not supposed to be on the floor. I'm on the third floor of a four story building. I was in the third platoon. And I looked down the hallway and there stood the drill sergeant. And he looked at me and I looked at him and he looked down at my feet and I looked down at my feet and my boots were on his floor. That was not a good day. It wasn't because he came running at me screaming, get down. <laughs> I was just like panicking, like, get out. Okay, I'm getting down. <laughs> and he started to say, do push-ups. And then when he said the words, make this concrete floor grow grass, I knew I was in trouble. <laughs> yeah, that's that's going to be a hard task <laughs> for sure. So I'm doing push-ups, first day, basic training, 5 o'clock in the morning, and all I see is socked feet walking by me. <laughs> Everybody headed to the stairwell with their boots in hand and their sock feet to put their boots on and go down the stairwell. Seemed like 15 minutes. I don't know, but I, I know my arms could not hold myself up. He told me to recover, take my boots off, walk 50 feet to the stairwell, put my boots back on, and then walk down to the unit uh, outside. I walk outside, and everyone's in the front-leaning rest position doing push-ups. And drill thanks to you. <laughs> thanks to me, first morning, first day. And the drill sergeant tells everyone to thank me for them doing that this morning because I decided to walk on his floor. And Douglas, I'm telling you, that day, that morning, first day, I was paralyzed because what I wanted to do, showing people that I was a leader, I failed miserably at that first day. And it ate me alive that whole day. And I was like, what am I going to do to try and recover and show these guys I'm a leader. So all day I'm thinking about it, and it just so happens we went to basic training. Cold weather gear was uh, – I went it was very cold outside, and so we got some cold weather gear, and there were some these oversized green socks that we were issued. And I thought, I'm going to put those socks over my boots, and I'm going to walk out, and my boots wouldn't be on the floor, but my socks would be on the floor. Oh. So I get up the next morning – do it again, put those socks over my boots before I went to bed, put the boots on. I walked out of the door. There stood the same drill sergeant. He looked at me. I looked at him. He looked down and I looked down and he had this slight grin on his face, which is not very often, not, not often that. at all. And I walked past him to the stairwell, took my socks off, put them in my side pockets. And I was the first one out. And 10 weeks later, uh, because my name wasn't called by my, 
name through basic training, I hear my last name called and I didn't turn around because I wasn't used to being called by my correct last name. And he came up to me and he said, you know what? I knew after that second day, you were going to be a leader. And it just so happened at the end of the fifth day, he made me a squad leader. And then I became a platoon leader before uh, basic training was over with. He said, because you took a bad situation where you made a poor decision and come up with a solution within one day. And during that cycle, there were more people that put green socks over their boots to save time to get down the stairs. And so people started following that. And it became a thing in basic training to be able to get outside so you didn't have to wait in the stairwell. And, you know, when you've got 300 people trying to get downstairs out one door and put boots on and all that stuff, it is chaotic. And a lot of people picked up on that. But he said, I knew that's the day that you were going to be a leader. And for me, I needed to recover for those that I was placed in charge of. And so it was really, it was, it was kind of the defining moment for, wow, you can't let your people down. And the way you don't let your people down is you figure out what you can do to ensure you develop yourself, think for yourself, make sure that it's not about them. It's about you developing yourself so that you can lead them. It's not their fault. Don't blame it on them. It's you. And you've got to own it as a leader. So yeah, that was a that was a very critical time in my life. And that led me on the journey that set me in this chair to do this podcast. And I was really amazed at how that developed out of basic training into what was called advanced individual training. And then through my military career, as I rose up in rank, I used personal development with my soldiers when they would have problems. A lot of the times it wasn't the military training or things that was going on. It was personal things in their life or life before they got into the military. After I left the military, it seemed a natural progression to start a risk management company because I was in aviation, uh, everything related to risk, side investigation, just a lot of risk management in aviation and the military. And so I started a risk management company. And one of the things that stood out that is that leaders aren't taught how to engage team members on a personal and professional level. Everything, so, everything's about professional, professional. Yeah. Engagement. So that's the second time we've kind of talked about that word, uh, just in this episode. Uh, so we had disengagement earlier, but people aren't really taught to engage people. And so how, how do you think that, and what was your, your process of really trying to help leaders learn how to engage with their, their, their team members, whether it be, you know, uh, other leaders in the company or, or workers that were there? Yeah. I, I, one simple question I ask people is when you throw back the covers in the morning, are you excited about going to work? Or are you like, oh, crap, I got to go to work? And when they tell me which one, which is normally the, oh, crap, I got to go to work, it's like, well, why? And they'll tell me, well, I, I don't like my boss. I don't like my job. Like, you know, and as uh, I've, I've mentioned this in you and I talking before when I was on an airplane coming back from New York to Atlanta, and the guy that's sitting next to me said, uh, um, I said, is Atlanta home or New York? And he said, no, it's Florida. I'm just going to Atlanta to get to Florida. And I said, oh, he said, he said I'm retiring. And I said, oh, what'd you do? And he said, I worked for the New York Transit Authority for 40 years. And I said, oh, man, you must have loved that. And he said, I hate it every day. 
Hate it every day. All right. <laughs> hate it, hate hate it every day. day. And I'm like, why did you do it? And he said, it was a job. It was just a job. And my mom got me the job out of college, and that's just what I did. And I and that all those things are forming. Like, why why would we do a job we hated doing? Why would we do a job that we're not suited to do? It doesn't make us want to throw the covers back and go to work. And as I started the risk management company, started another company, an insurance agency to help people uh, transfer risk from a risk management standpoint, started a uh, company that did claims management for people, started another company that was a small business association aggregating small businesses. It just, everything centered around how could I help people become the best version of themselves personally and professionally at the same time. And that was a 35-year journey now that I've been on, which is, uh, I think, leading to this uh, podcast, First Lead You. Um, It's odd that when people hire people, they don't think about the baggage of the personal suitcase. And I try to take the word H-I-R-E out of business equation and put select. If you're going to select someone like the professional teams do, put them through a series of tests, make sure they're suited for the job, make sure they want to do the job, make sure they're excited about the job, and then realize that there's two suitcases they bring. They bring their professional suitcase, which is on the resume that you read, but they also bring that personal suitcase with them and know that that's some unpacking that you're going to have to do as a leader in that organization. And we talk about that uh, when we go into organizations about how to think about this, because even though we, we've talked about the amount of money that was spent on professional development, the lack of time and effort that's spent on personal development in companies, you know, it's that eight to five, five to eight, right? So whatever happens from eight to five at the job place is going to go home and it's going to impact what happens from, from five until eight the next morning and vice versa, whatever's happening between five and eight at home is going to be drug into the workplace between eight and five. And now all of my coworkers have to deal with whatever I brought in with me and they have no idea what I just brought in the door with me. Yeah. There's a term in the business world where the employee asks, what's the temperature of the boss today? And I tell business owners and leaders, they should not have to ask that question. They shouldn't need to wonder, did the boss come in mad today? because of something that happened in that eight to five. So that comes back to emotional intelligence. When you walk in the door, even if it has been bad, guess what? When you walk in the door, you're excited. You're there. You're leading the people because your inability to lead those people that day because of something that happened in the eight to five, you weren't there is going to impact their productivity all day long. And you're not talking about just, you know, faking it. You're not just, you know. No, absolutely not. I mean, it's literally, you know that you're the leader. You come in, you are motivated to lead these people no matter what's going on, even if it's you've been there for two hours and have dealt with three crises, that next person you're going to run into that, that needs to hear from you or ask you a question, you're motivated to lead that person well so that they can go accomplish their job. Well, that's a great uh, kind of ending point for us today in this first episode of First Lead You. And uh, let's unpack that just a little bit. I think we talked about it at the beginning, but First Lead You, how did we come up with that name? Where Where is that? What can people expect from that? Uh, 
where we're going to go with this podcast. Well, obviously, like most people do, you sit around and you play ping pong with what to name the podcast and what's going to resonate. And and the more we talked about personal development leads to professional success, it was clear that in order to lead one person, you had to lead yourself first. And the more that you developed yourself, the one could become two and three and four. The more your emotional intelligence increases, the more you can handle from a capacity standpoint because every person comes with its own, his or her own sets of issues you're going to have to deal with. And if you don't learn how to first lead you, you will never learn how to first lead them. Excellent, excellent. Well, I think uh, that's going to bring us to a close for today, but uh, we appreciate you listening. And over the next uh, few weeks, you'll hear more about uh, this concept of First Lead You. We're going to unpack some of the things that John's uh, talked about in in the meetings that he's had with uh, corporate teams and uh, some of the philosophies he's held uh, to to bring people along in that as well. So, So, John, I want to thank you for finally getting in front of the microphone and uh, us uh, putting this uh, out uh, for people to hear. And I look forward to exploring some of these uh, uh, questions and topics over the next few weeks. Thank you. Look forward to doing it.